you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. hello everybody great to be back with you if you're listening you know that i'm kind of banking some episodes and ideally yesterday i gave birth uh, I'm recording this about two weeks out, and this is set to air the day after I give birth. So send good vibes. I hope that everything went well. I hope that she is happy and healthy, and I hope that I feel the same. Send that good energy to me uh, because I will need every bit of it. I'm a little bit nervous. You know, childbirth is not for sissies. No, it's not. Okay. Anyway, um, scrambling, scrambling to complete a lot of big projects before my maternity leave. And one of the projects that is really fueling me up that I have been excited about and dedicated to since January is my new memoir that I'm writing, which basically shares the evolution of my journey as an interior designer from hobbyist who really had no clue what she was doing all the way to somebody who's been running a firm for now 18 years. We just had our 18th anniversary last month. And, you know, I'm so remiss because I never take the time to stop and celebrate. Like I deserve a freaking cake. My team deserves like a moment, a pause, a break, but there's always like the next thing coming And we're always so busy. And, you know, I hope next year to really take that intentional pause for deeper reflection because it's such a shame when uh, you don't take that time and when you don't stop. So the exciting thing about this memoir has been looking back and it's called, well, right now it's called My Interior Design Diaries. I mean, that's just a loose working title while I'm drafting it because I'm opening up my diaries for the very first time. I've kept a diary since I was seven, but I've never actually read my diaries. I just lock them away in a safe because, you know, I don't want my family reading all of these dirty details of my personal life. Nothing got too exciting at age seven. But then as I moved into my college years and my New York years and, you know, tumult and emotions and all this stuff, it's just for me. But it's a great snapshot 
a great retrospective that shows me sort of how I got from there to here, which was a very circuitous, strange path. And now I've taken thousands of clients. So I'm kind of aligning my own personal journey and evolution of becoming an interior designer with these key moments and these key clients. So in order to write this book of personal essays, you know, I've been taking lots of classes and meeting with a coach to get an understanding of what you really need to pitch. And my understanding is that I only need to write three or four chapters. So I'm going to give you a preview of what those three or four chapters cover because as of this recording, I'm just completing chapter nine and I'm so excited. Um, it's my most emotional, most painful chapter, but um, I'm excited to get it done on paper and sort of you know, memorialize these big moments that otherwise I tend to gloss over or not stop to really digest outside of that initial recording of them in my diary. So the very first chapter, I'm focusing on my very first client, which happened just shortly after 9-11. I had just moved to New York City and was a painter and had no intention of ever becoming an interior designer. And then I worked with this very cocky, interesting finance bro type and wound up designing his entire space. And while that ended in a really um, painful way, it was because of that experience that I became an interior designer. And then I go on to share chapters five and six, because you can skip around when it's a book of personal essays and you're submitting to agents. So I go from chapter one to chapters five and six, which I think are the most like outlandish chapters because I'm working with the biggest celebrity I've ever worked with and the biggest budget I've ever worked with and the sort of most high profile space and address and just totally working in a completely new way that has lots of fun involved because um, I'm spending so much money. I need no approval. I'm even designing my own furniture at this point, and I'm working for a celebrity that I've revered for years. And then, of course, something goes awry, and you'll see sort of my evolution there because at that point, I already had like a mid-size firm, I would say. Not that I have a big firm now, but uh, for where I am now, if I were to look back, that was kind of the middle of my growth. So it's also the middle of the book. And then I'm fast-forwarding to Chapter 9 in terms of fleshing that out. And, you know, if you've been a longtime listener, you've heard some of these stories along the way. But in the book, I'm putting down every detail, right, and really getting into the nitty-gritty. So the one thing I didn't share regarding Chapter 9 is I shared with you guys that I lost a baby sort of late in a pregnancy, and it was very devastating, um, and it was very devastating because, I mean, just full disclosure, even though I hope I don't cry again, um, I didn't, the baby didn't die inside me. You know, I had to make a choice to um, terminate the baby due to extreme defects. And it was very difficult and a choice I don't wish upon anyone. But, um, it was particularly gut-wrenching. Ugh, pun intended. Ugh. Anyway, it was really hard. But the way that that aligns with design, because you're saying, Betsy, that's just your personal evolution, just your personal journey, and you're not wrong, except that at that time I was designing 
for another very prominent figure who was in politics and was actively working to prevent the very procedure that I needed in order to, um, uh, anyway. (laughs) So as you can see, it's been a very painful chapter to write. It's also been very painful because I'm writing it at a time when I'm about to give birth. So I'm kind of going through one of the darkest times in my life in terms of baby experiences at one of the, I would say brightest, but this one has been conflicting too, you know, to have a kid after you have a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old. But it's just really funny how it totally coincided with this client and how the conflict of working with this client and going through my own personal experience at the exact same time, right at Christmas, was just such a culmination of all these feelings and kind of growing through that. So um, this is really a very revealing memoir uh, that's going to be sharing a lot of things and um, exposing a lot of vulnerabilities and exposing potentially my notorious clients. And um, even though I'll be giving them pseudonyms, in lots of ways, people will know what I'm talking about, and I'm excited to share that all with you. So just to let you know a little bit about what I'm working on and what's going through my mind uh, and what may be upcoming, because I'm hoping that this will get snapped up right away by an agent and be on shelves near you very soon. Um, and if it's not, you know, I plan on submitting some of these as like personal essays to different outlets. Um but I think it's going to be pretty illuminating either way. All right, let's jump in and get to some of your questions. Very excited to dig in this old mailbag here. And the first question comes from Megan. Megan is writing from Marietta, Georgia, and she says, Betsy, you were so helpful with my last question about my living room that I'm hoping to pick your brain for some more great tips as I work on my primary bedroom. We've lived in our home for just over a year, and this space has not gotten much attention. Originally, the room was set up to include my son's bassinet and changing table, but now that he has his own room, I'm ready to think about this space a little bit more. I just purchased my bedding and curtains, and I absolutely love this Pottery Barn floral design, and I'm thinking it might be my inspiration piece. I'm hesitant, though, because I do like to change out my bedding every now and again. I know for sure I would like my room to include green with touches of pink or rose, My style phrase is romantic English country. I've been considering a vanity table between my windows and possibly a dresser that sits horizontally. I think my king-size bed is placed on the correct wall, but I need some art above it. What size do you suggest for a king-size bed? I appreciate any suggestions you can send my way, and congratulations on your baby girl. Well, thanks, Megan. So let's dig into your question here. I'm excited to help. And before I do, let me just kind of give a snapshot of the pictures that I'm seeing so other people can understand what everything looks like. So when you walk in, your bed is kitty corner from the main point of access, which is just what I look for. And I love that. That is ideal feng shui. You can see people coming and going and you aren't so vulnerable as you would be if you weren't facing the door. 
Also, it's the most beautiful first impression when people fling open the door. They're seeing the bed flanked by the nightstand. So that really makes it feel beautiful and impressive, etc. Your bed is like a beige tufted wingback bed. It is a king flanked by two white nightstands that have a couple of drawers and some tapered legs. I was surprised when I opened it and saw the bedding. Based on your description, I thought it would be more pink and rose and green, but it really does feature a lot of colors from like blues or icy purples to goldenrod colors. So do I feel like it's English country? Absolutely not. Do I feel like it's floral and interesting and a great inspiration piece? Yes especially because you can't use a rug in this situation because you have wall-to-wall carpeting. Uh, So in this case, I may have suggested a rug because you do love to swap out your bedding. But I think what I might choose instead is that piece of art above the headboard to be that beautiful inspiration. Now, as longtime listeners will know, when I'm choosing a piece of art to go above anything, whether it's a bed, whether it's a console, or even a vanity, what I do is I take the length of that item. So the length, or if we're talking about this king bed, the width of the king bed is 80 inches. That's just the standard width of a mattress. With these wings on the side, making it a wing back, it's probably like 85, right? Let's say 86 so we can have some easy math. Yeah, I need something easy right now, Megan. Okay, so 86. So what you want to do is you want to take 50 to 75% of the length of that piece that's going to be above, and that is the length of your artwork. So let's see here. We can easily do 50% of 86, which is 43, but I can't easily do 75%. Let me just use my calculator. So we're looking at 43 to 65 inches long for the artwork in an ideal world. So it can range anywhere between there. And if you're a professional designer like me, or if you spend a lot of time online, you know that the two standard sizes of length of artwork between those numbers, 43 and 65, well, you're either going to choose probably a 48 or a 60. Now, because the bed is relatively high, you're going to need to do a piece of art that's not too tall because your ceilings seem like relatively standard. And so we don't have a lot of room to play. So I'm not so specific about the height of the piece. It's more the length of the piece that's really critical. In terms of the height, it's going to be 18 to 24 inches high just based on me eyeballing this picture and knowing the height of the bed versus the height of a typical eight-foot wall. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. 
You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Now, something that's bothering me is opposite the bed, you hardly have anything going on. You have this little like two-door console that's a glorified nightstand, but it's shallow. And then you have a tall dresser. Now, the problem is that this wall is about the same length as the wall behind the bed. So we are not experiencing balance in this room. This room feels like it has everything going on on the bedside and not much going on on the other side. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, and I can't really tell, but maybe this room is too tight. Maybe it's too narrow to put a dresser opposite the bed or to add too much furniture because then you won't have an ample walkway. Let's just say that that is the case, even though I can't quite get the perspective from these pictures. You don't just have to put bulky furniture to make a room feel balanced. You could put like a very large mirror, like a full-length mirror. You could do like a gallery wall that has a series of pictures. You could center this tall dresser opposite the bed and flank it with large artwork. So there's lots of ways that you can visually balance a space without adding bulky furniture that takes up floor space that takes up square footage. It can just take up wall space and then have that gravitas that we're looking for so that one wall doesn't feel super busy and the wall opposite feels super empty. The other issue that I'm seeing is that the drapes are a little oppressive. They're like an emerald green, which is maybe the darkest shade in this bedspread. Now, I'm okay with that, but right now they just feel heavy and dark, and I'd want you to incorporate that color in another way just so that it doesn't feel so out of place because the bedding is sort of faded and muted, and that's not because it's old. It's just because that's the look of the bedding. So this deep kind of forest green would need to come in in another way for me to feel like it's not just... Um, forced for me to feel like it's actually being derived from a different piece in the room. And ideally, we know that that inspiration piece or the piece from which these drapes will be derived is going to be that large piece of artwork above the bed. The other issue that I see is that you've got tall nightstands. In my mind, they're too tall for this bed because you want the nightstands to be within two inches of the height of the mattress, give or take. And these seem to be like quite a bit higher. I don't want that to mean that you have to buy new nightstands, but let me just put that out there for those of you who are buying new nightstands. But it makes these small lamps on either side look very dwarfed because we have this sort of higher than normal headboard and these much higher than normal nightstands to go beside it. 
So I would really encourage you to get lamps with a bit more presence. In other words, taller, wider, because right now they look very small and out of scale on these nightstands. And you're saying to yourself, Betsy, what am I going to do? What kind of material? Well, again, I look around the room and look at what materials I haven't used so far. And one of the materials I haven't used so far is stone. But if I went for something like marble on a white nightstand, they're both going to look like white elements. Um, Even though there might be some mild veining in the lamp base, it's still going to register as mostly white. So I would consider bringing in some glass here. It'll really lighten it up and bring in that critical element so that we're not just doing more white or wood or something like that. Uh, Then you asked, well, you didn't ask, but I'm just going to tell you about your two-word phrase. I think it's problematic. For me, this is really not reading English country at all. And maybe it's because you haven't added additional pieces. Maybe it's because it's not complete. Right now, I'm definitely getting the transitional vibe with the tapered legs on the nightstands, with the tufting on the bed, as well as the wingback silhouette. But, you know, you're going to have to get more into sort of ornate elements for me to feel like we're in English country here. So if that is the direction you feel dedicated to, I want you to lean in harder because it is not registering. Um, So find an inspiration image online at my favorite house, H-O-U-Z-Z.com, or another website, just type in English Country Cottage or whatever you want to do. But it's just not having those elements enough for me. Right now, it's only the bedding that may be slightly leaning that way. And I'd really rather you make a stronger statement. All right. Well, that is my episode for today, guys. It has been so wonderful to be with you. And um, thank you all for sending in your questions. I just love answering them each and every week. If you have a question, send it to, well, you'll go to, excuse me, affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. And there you can submit your question to me as well as pictures. All right, everybody. Until next week. asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about.
big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.